This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore stocks started the week in slightly negative territory, tracking losses on global markets as recession fears and worries of further rate hikes weighed on investor optimism. The Straits Times Index headed down 0.1% to 3,266 points shortly after opening. On Tuesday, gold fell to near two-year lows as the dollar strengthened, with investors weighing the likely size of the Federal Reserve's looming interest rate hike. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve delivered its third straight interest rate increase of three quarters of a percentage point and signaled a high likelihood of at least one more move of that size this year, with the U.S. Central Bank's chief vowing that officials would not let up in their battle to contain inflation. Asian markets were mostly lower on Thursday, September 22nd, after the Federal Reserve's September meeting, which saw the U.S. Central Bank raise interest rates by 75 basis points. Interestingly, Singapore's Straits Times Index closed flat with slight gains of 0.04%. The index rose to 3,263 points. And, also on Thursday, the Bank of England raised its key interest rate to 2.25% from 1.75% and said it would continue to respond forcefully as necessary to inflation despite the economy entering recession. The BOE estimated that Britain's economy will shrink 0.1% in the third quarter. It's Friday, the 23rd of September. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Today, Singapore shares started Friday, September 23rd in the red, echoing Wall Street's market performance on Thursday as recession fears mounted following yet another aggressive move by the Fed to counter inflation. The Straits Times Index shed 0.6% to 3,244 points. Here's Amelia Tan, research analyst at SGX Securities, with her wrap of the week. In the week thus far, the SDI returned flattish, outperforming the FTSE Asia-Pacific Index's 1.7% decline. For this third quarter to date, the SDI has gained 5.2% as compared to the Asia-Pacific benchmark's decline of 5.9%. With a year-to-date price gain of about 4.5%, SCI is one of the best-performing index globally versus the FTSE All World's 23% decline. The US Federal Reserve delivered its third straight interest rate increase of 75 basis points and signaled a high likelihood of at least one more move of that size this year to contain inflation. The Fed raised its target interest rate to a range of 3%, to 3.25%, the highest level since 2008, and its new projections showed the policy rate rising to between 4.25% to 4.5% by the end of this year before topping out at 4.5% to 4.75% in 2023. As gauged by CNBC prior to the FOMC, expectations see the US rate cycle peaking in March, with peak rates applying for 11 months with expectations ranging from 3 months to 24 months. The survey also maintained that there was a 52% expectation that the US economy would encounter a technical recession over the next 12 months. The Asian Development Bank has revised upwards its 2022 growth projection for Southeast Asia to 5.1% from 4.9%, as stronger forecasts for Indonesia Myanmar and the Philippines offset downward revisions for Singapore and Thailand. Looking at the wider developing Asia, 
growth is now projected at 4.3% for this year and at 4.9% for next year. Inflation forecast for Southeast Asia has been revised higher to 5.2% for 2022 and 4.1% for 2023, driven by higher food and energy prices. According to a quarterly Monetary Authority of Singapore survey of professional economists, full-year GDP growth for Singapore is expected to be at 3.5%, slightly below the 3.8% projection made in June. The survey also showed inflation forecasts have been raised, with full-year headline inflation now expected to hit 5.7% and core inflation at 3.8%. Specifically, headline inflation in the third quarter is expected to come in at 6.6% and core inflation at 4.6%, possibly indicating a cool-down from July's record-setting figures. But inflation should ease further in 2023, according to The Economists, who forecast a headline inflation figure of 3.5% and a rate of 3.1% for core inflation. Looking at the Singapore institutional fund flows for the past five sessions as of 21st September, we observed institutional inflows of $248 million Sing dollars into the market. Financial services saw the highest inflows at $239 million, followed by industrials at $49 million and consumer cyclicals at $41 million. On the other hand, REITs experienced the largest outflows at $39 million, followed by real estate, excluding REITs, with an outflow of $29 million and technology with an outflow of $14 million. OCBC was the highest recipient of institutional fund inflows in the period totaling $126 million, followed by Jardine Matheson at $74 million and DBS and UOB at $70 million and $36 million, respectively. ST Engineering, Wing Thai Asia and Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust saw a combined outflow of $44 million. Here's correspondent Janice Lim with further insight from the Business Times news desk. Markets this week were really just bracing for the outcome of the September Federal Open Market Committee meeting. We saw on Thursday that the US Federal Reserve has decided to hike rates by 75 basis points. It's a move that was very much expected by the market. and That brings the policy rate to between 3 and 3.25%. Now, what was surprising were indications from Fed Chair Jerome Powell that more interest rates increases were in the pipeline. Stock markets were really reacting to signals on how hawkish the Fed would be. This September rate hike is the third straight increase. It is also the second in a row where rates went up by 75 basis points, which is considered higher than the norm. But raising rates by this much or even more may soon become the new normal. Throughout the week, there were even fears that the Fed might increase rates by 100 basis points as the August inflation data came in higher than expected. While the eventual move was in line with market expectations, the Fed's outlook seemed to be turning even more hawkish. It signaled that another 125 basis points of hikes would take place over the next two meetings for the rest of this year. This would bring the policy rate to between 4.25 and 4.5%. Ray Sharma Ong, asset manager from Aberdeen, said all this point to the Fed not having any intentions to slow down anytime soon unless there is clear evidence inflation is moving back to 2%. 
Market watchers are getting concerned about the prospect of a Fed-induced recession, with monetary policy turning accommodative only after recession. Still to come, we take a closer look at more news and drivers with Melia Tan and Janice Lim. Senior correspondent Ben Paul shares his analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Mark to Market every second Monday of the month with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Market Focus from the Business Times. Janice, give us a quick roundup of the best and worst performers of the week, especially after the Fed rate hike was announced. Even before the rate hike came through, Asian markets were already seeing a move to risk-off assets. Many key indices in this region closed lower over the past five trading days. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index was down 1.6%. In mainland China, the Shanghai Composite Index was down 0.3%. And in Shenzhen, it fell 0.6%. Japan's Nikkei 225 slipped 0.6%. South Korea's Kospi also went down by the same. Now, turning to Singapore, the reactions here over the past five trading days were really quite muted compared to what we saw in the wider Asian market. The Straits Times Index ended pretty much with very slight gains, rising 0.04%. The top SDI counter is Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding, which went up 6.8%. Emperador was the week's worst performer, falling 4.9%. Sets was the second worst. Much of its decline was probably a reaction to their Wednesday announcement that their discussions to acquire an air cargo handler called Worldwide Flight Services have not had any definitive terms or formal legal documentation. Amelia, give us some of the highlights of Singapore-specific news that might have been drivers this week. According to data released by Enterprise Singapore, Singapore's non-oil domestic exports grew at a faster pace in August, with an 11.4% year-on-year growth, building on the 7% growth seen in July. This was better than the 8.4% which private sector economists had expected, according to a Bloomberg poll. On a seasonally adjusted basis, the level of Nordics reached $17.1 billion in August, which is 3.9% lower than the $17.8 billion reached in July. Non-electronic exports rose 16.9% year-on-year, while electronics exports fell 4.5% year-on-year, a first decline seen since November 2022. Overall, Nordics to Singapore's top 10 markets rose as a whole, but exports to China, Taiwan and Hong Kong declined. The Singapore dollar has been one of Asia's most resilient currencies against the US dollar this year, despite being down more than 4%. Goldman Sachs, Citigroup and MUFG Bank are among banks that continue to be bullish on the Singapore dollar, underpinned by expectation that the MAS will extend policy tightening at its October meeting to help rein in core inflation that hit a 14-year high in July. Unlike most central banks that use interest rates, the MAS responds to rising core inflation by using a basket of currencies of Singapore's major trading partners through the Singapore dollar nominal effective exchange rate. An upcoming indicator would be the release of the core consumer price index for August this week, which is forecast to increase 5% year-on-year. 
MES's latest Singapore corporate debt market report showed that Singapore's debt market registered a steady growth in 2021 as total outstanding debt arranged by financial institutions in Singapore rose by 8% to 523 billion Singapore dollars as compared with 484 billion in 2020. New debt issuance went up by 4% in the same period to 232 billion, with 87% denominated in foreign currencies, mostly in US dollars. The volume of green social sustainability and sustainability linked bonds issued in 2021 grew almost four times year on year to 14.4 billion. MES expects global bond issuances to moderate in 2022 amid geopolitical and macroeconomical risks. The MES and India's International Financial Services Centres Authority have signed a fintech cooperation agreement to facilitate regulatory collaboration and partnership in fintech. The two regulators will leverage existing regulatory sandboxes in their respective jurisdictions to support experimentation of technology innovations. This includes referral of companies to each other's regulatory sandboxes to enable innovative cross-border experiments in both jurisdictions. Highlighting some notable company-specific news for the week. SGX launched SGX Currency Note, an FX trading venue that connects global participants anonymously to unique and deep OTC FX liquidity pools. Using a central prime brokerage model, SGX Currency Note currently streams liquidity for FX Spot, precious metals and non-deliverable forwards. And there are plans to launch FX swaps and non-deliverable forward spreads later. The group said that SGX Currency Note completes the build-out of its OTC FX infrastructure. Guacoland was reported to have sold 84% or 508 units of its integrated mixed-use Lentor Modern project over two days during launch weekend at prices ranging from 1856 to 2538 per square foot. According to Hutton's Asia, the number of units sold on launch weekend makes it the best-selling project in 2022. About 92% of buyers were Singaporeans, with permanent residents and foreigners making up the remaining 8%. Buyer profiles are mainly owner-occupiers, with upgraders constituting the majority. Marco Polo Marine announced that it will build, own and operate a new commissioning service operation vessel to meet the rising demand for support vessels to service the booming offshore wind farm industry in Asia. Expected to be completed in first quarter 2024, the vessel, valued at around 60 million US dollars each, will be the first to be designed in Asia. The group is optimistic about the demand for its new vessel service, having already received keen interest from leading offshore wind farm turbine makers and offshore wind farm developers. Amelia S. Reitz had several announcements on proposed acquisitions across the week. What were some of the notable announcements? Parkway Life REIT announced the acquisition of two nursing homes in the greater Tokyo region of Japan for a total consideration of 2.9 billion yen. The acquisition is expected to generate an average net property income yield of 5.2% and is expected to be DPU accretive. The properties are freehold and well-located in residential areas of Tokyo and Chiba prefectures, and the acquisition will see the REIT taking over the existing lease agreements of the properties, with an average long-balance lease term of about 29 years. 
following the REIT's earlier acquisition of three other nursing homes. Parkway Life REIT's Japan portfolio will have 57 properties, totaling almost $760 million in value. Digital Core REIT announced that it will be making its inaugural acquisition of data centers in Germany and the US. The REIT will enter into an agreement with Digital Realty to acquire a 25% stake in a freehold data center in Frankfurt, Germany, valued at 558 million euros, with the option to acquire up to an 89.9% interest in the facility and a 90% interest in a freehold data center in Dallas, Texas, value at 199 million US dollars, subject to suitable market conditions. The acquisitions are expected to be DPU accretive by up to 3.1% and part funded through external debt and an equity fundraising. In the event the equity fundraising does not occur, Digital Core REIT will pursue a 100% debt funded transaction to which Digital Core REIT will acquire a 25% interest in the Frankfurt facility and will not acquire any interest in the Dallas data center. First REIT announced that it will be expanding its portfolio with the acquisition of two nursing homes in Japan for a total purchase consideration of 2.6 billion yen. The properties are located near Tokyo and Nagoya city centers and have a combined net property yield of 5.2%. Following the acquisition, First REIT's portfolio will be further diversified with developed markets contributing to approximately one quarter of its asset under management. Japan is one of the REIT's key growth markets as part of its first REIT 2.0 growth strategy and the acquisitions will be fully funded by debt and are expected to be DPU accretive. Daiwa House Logistics Trust is looking to acquire a portfolio of two fully occupied freehold logistics facilities and a piece of freehold land in Japan for a total consideration of 4.7 billion yen, representing an 11.8% discount to the property's average appraised value. The acquisition is expected to increase DPU by 1.3% on a pro forma basis for the financial period ending June 30, 2022. The purchase will be partly funded through a proposed sponsor subscription and external debt. The blended net property income yield for the two properties is 6.5%, higher than the trust's existing portfolio of 6.1%. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Amelia Tan, Research Analyst at SGX Securities, and Janice Lim, Correspondent with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.